What's going on, Sal? I am honored, bro. <laughs> How are you? Good, man. How are you? Gotcha. Oh, my God. Is that Salar Wakar? Is that the baby? Oh, my God. Salud. My <laughs> shirt. What's up, Salud? What's going on? Yo. Zilad. Tej, you. What's up? How are you doing, bro? What a fresh, trim, Tej. Thank Thank you, bro. Thank you. Oh, gallery. uh, The room is looking a bit neater than it was yesterday. Yeah, I did a little bit of sprucing up, yeah. What's up, Biggie? What's up, Tej? How are you doing, bro? What's going on, fellas? How are you guys? Not much. I was watching Euros today. Oh, 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 shit. Might be outside, but I think it's stupid. Shit. Your uh, Ukraine Discord. <laughs> <laughs> so has that answered your question, bro? How are you? I'm good, bro. <laughs> Sorry, I was texting Bowers because he's going off about Yarmouth. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. yeah, usually he scores against us, so it's a change. Yeah, he wants the price of the brick to go up so they can sell him this summer. <laughs> brick. All right, so uh, first, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this podcast and joining, and I really appreciate the time you guys have taken. Sal, sum up the season in a tweet. I originally said 10 words or less in the brief, but we'll go with a tweet. Shock, another title win for City. Top four as predicted. Sorry, that's not very creative. No, that's that's fine. I like it. It thumbs up. Did you think that the top four this year was the top four that you expected at the start of the season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as in, not not in that order. I I thought it was going to be... I, I thought City would win it with Chelsea outside in terms of how the squad would integrate. Just on paper, that squad was very, very good. But mm-hmm. that's probably one season too early for them because a team takes time to integrate. But yeah, I mean, I thought United would probably be fourth and then the top three would be City, Chelsea and Liverpool. And also, I think the season showed there is actually now a pretty big gap between the top four, those top four sides and everyone else. Vibes, sum up the season in a tweet. Ten words or less. Yeah, good question, Paige. I'm going to say COVID-impacted season meant congested schedule and pretty much football every day. No surprises with the winner, but an enjoyable season throughout and injuries galore. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> Very good. You say enjoyable season, but I feel like for for your team, it <laughs> obviously was. Biggie, yeah, that's uh, would you agree with whether or not it was enjoyable as he <laughs> described? All the other parts, vibes, I do agree with 100%. <laughs> a lot of congestion, right? A lot of injuries, too, probably as a result of that congestion. Like Vish and I would say on the podcast, football was on every day. Um, yeah. I only limited myself to watching Spurs, and I wouldn't say as enjoyable, perhaps, as your season. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I'd probably say enjoyable until the end of November, December, early December, and then uh, really fell off a cliff. So in answer to your question about a tweet, I'd probably say started like a train, finished like a bullet cart for Spurs, <laughs> but in general, um, congestion in terms of fixtures, congestion in terms of the table, because a lot of teams are congested. I, I, I'm not sure about, uh, I agree with uh, Salu's point about the top four being far and away better than the rest, because Leicester were just one or two points behind the top four. But yeah, there was quite a lot of congestion in different parts of the table, which made, I guess, until the last couple of weeks, at least the relegation battle quite fun. So overall, it was, it was a weird season, but uh, one that I'm happy to see the end of. Yeah, me too. Completely agree. <laughs> Vish, uh, go ahead and sum up the season in tweet. Ten words or less, or ten words or less. I, I can actually, I can actually do ten words or less. COVID football is not sustainable. That's it. <laughs> I, I really dislike the way that they packed in schedules for money. I feel like the players are having to play too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I were talking about this, where you had no preseason, then you had a full season in eight months. Then yep. you had a Euros and a Copa yep. America as well, by the way. Then yep. you have another season, then you have a World Cup, and there's no break for any of these players. And it means that the teams with the best squad depth are going to be the best place to compete on all fronts. Yeah, it's just, and I'm a bit worried as well, because like I don't know how it is with Spurs and Kane if he's fit, but with United, if Rashford is fit, he will either play starting or he'll come off the bench and i think we're starting to see that he's not the same marcus rashford that's just one example but there are so many others across other clubs as well sure completely agree and in a more congested schedule there's also a lot more variance there's a lot more things that go crazy results that are unpredicted as we were kind of talking about pre-production and stuff like that vibes what would you say was your best game of the season uh, good question. I'll just sort of go back to one point that you're saying about different teams and stuff. I think it also leads to different uh, styles of play. And I think, for example, you can kind of see it through Liverpool as the best example, but they didn't press as much as they normally do. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it's due to player energy, perhaps it's due to no fans in the ground. But I generally feel like teams have to alter the style that they had to play based on the condition of their players and perhaps like their squad depth in general. And I think perhaps you kind of saw it through Sheffield United from the other perspective, because a team that did really well with fans at the ground uh, initially in their first season just couldn't manage a win in in the second season until they came to Old Trafford and we generously gave them some points. But um, (laughs) they just generally weren't the same team. And like this is a team that for their first season did really well, I think, surpassed everyone's expectations, but then just couldn't get going in the second season. So different style of plays as well that I think are going to be interesting to kind of monitor over the course of the next year or so, because as Vish mentioned, there's no real break for players. And that makes it quite tough. I think, Tej, in terms of the most enjoyable game, I think it has to be either our Champions League win over PSG away or our win against Leipzig at home. Mm-hmm. Because I think at the time 
going away to PSG, I don't think we had Maguire for some reason. Axel Konzabe made his comeback to football in that game against Mbappe. And I think we played really well. And Rashford kind of uh, took a chance in the 86th minute, scored. And the next day was on the phone to Boris Johnson campaigning (laughs) for three meals. So I think with the overall impact, that also kind of came into play in the next game against Leipzig when he came off the bench and scored a hat-trick. And that to me, I think those two were kind of my most enjoyable games because I thought at that point as well, we'd won our first two games. We were in a prime, we had a really good opportunity to qualify. I think at that point, I was pretty confident that we would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those two were really my most enjo- enjoyable games of the season. Although Champions League didn't really end well for United, I think those first two initial results were really good that made it really enjoyable. I'm pretty sure if Rashford wins the goal to secure the Euros for England, I'm pretty sure he becomes PM. Like, I think that's how it works. There's a bylaw somewhere. I'll have to check. Um, hey, I'll tell you, Paige, he'll get stuff delivered. Yeah, he will. He will. Salu, what was your best game of the season? It doesn't Bro, have to I, be I'm, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going absolutely the other way to wives and, and not focusing on United. I, I enjoyed the Liverpool dropping the most. So <laughs> Jack Grealish and Co. absolutely wiping the floor. So that's 7-2 for me. But also, like, it, it, not also because it's, it was Liverpool, but just a giant killing in general to that extent. Yeah. Just something, you know, a 7-2 scoreline. I know there were all kinds of circumstances there, but... Yeah, that was that was great to watch as a United fan and and otherwise. So so I I'd say that was probably in in a lot of ways the it was it wasn't obviously like a tight game or a thriller, but one of the contenders obviously for for the best game of the season uh, in the league last year. And yeah, loved loved Salu, watching that. I think Salu, it also kind of helped because and I might be seeing yeah, Biggie's thunder here, but we lost six one on that day. So it's kind of good to watch a game where someone else is getting trapped. A team yeah. like Liverpool as well. Yeah. Then we're like, it made us feel better, right? And, and, and it took the attention away from the United results. So that's yeah, all exactly. I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I believe Roy Keane had said uh, prior to that those matches on Sunday, he was talking about how Liverpool had defended sloppy against Arsenal the prior week. And Jurgen Klopp took offense to that. And then watching <laughs> Liverpool team with Virgil van Dijk in their defense just concede seven, you thought, well, okay, so someone's not going to be happy. And that man's definitely going to be <laughs> Klopp because he has a lot of questions to answer. <laughs> Biggie, what was your best game of the season? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. These two two of them have stolen my thunder a lot. lot. So when I was thinking <laughs> about it, obviously you guys know that I had Jack Grealish in my contracts team. So... Um, to just watch, and I love Jack Grealish, and I've grown to love him even more this season, but just watching that team play when Grealish is around and fit was just amazing. And to watch that game, as you mentioned, with Van Dijk in the team, who is, as we know, a colossus at the back, to see them concede seven goals, yes, okay, Adriano's at fault for maybe three or four, but... <laughs> <laughs> It still counts, you know, and it was just a really good game to watch. And obviously, it, it was on the same day as when we beat United 6-1. That's not really a scoreline that we are on the good end of, as you're aware. Yeah. Normally, that scoreline is against uh, one of the bigger teams is definitely, um, you know, when we're on the on the weekend, on the wrong side of it. So it was nice to 
have that on the same day. But then if there's any other game I had to pick, that was, it would probably be, actually I'll pick two because I, since I guess I picked games that we've already spoken about. Mm -hmm. I'll pick one is Southampton where we won 5-2, where Kane assisted four and scored one and Son scored four. Mm -hmm. So um, that I guess was like a catalyst for Kane getting the uh, most assists in the in the league and some of the passes he played in that game and Ndombele's turn that was first like the first yeah, bit yeah. of skill I think that we saw from Ndombele who I've also loved and wanted to wanted to do well for a long time so when he did that yeah. turn and start off when we were one 0 down that was a good start I guess that kind of got us going the right direction until the wheels came off in December or whatever but uh, that was one good game and then the other good game probably the last game of the season when we beat Leicester away even though they had a lot riding on it, even though it meant Chelsea got top four and we were in the conference. Obviously, as you know, I'm a huge Gareth Bale fan and his mm -hmm. club came on that day and might be the last time we see him in his first shirt. So, yeah, that was another good day for me as well. I think one of my most enjoyable moments of the season was Soyoncu trying to defend that last one. <laughs> <laughs> he saw Bale was going to shoot, but just kept running. It's got a little bit like Sol Campbell's uh, slide where he just yeah. kept going. So Sayonchu just kept running away from Bale as opposed to anything else. I think that was just hilarious to see. So uh, good shout with, yeah. the, with the game. You got me thinking about that. <laughs> I also liked that last game against Leicester, but I was also, I also kind of liked it. I was like, okay, thank God the season is done. Now I don't need to hear about Spurs for like a week. But it's just, it's, they've just been in the news. Still, and it's just like I just want one week of not. Uh, that hasn't worked well for us, has it? No, <laughs> I saw it, and I was mistaken. But, you know that that does happen. Vish, what was your best game of the season? I'm gonna cheat a little bit, Paige, because I'm gonna say it was a cup game, and it okay. was that Everton first game at Goodison oh, Park. Yes, because I remember, like, so I was just thinking, like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna put this on because you know it's Everton's first, it's a cup game. Both yeah. teams kind of need a trophy. I don't like seeing bad defending, but that game was just pure. Like there was no tactics. Each team was just going for it. Each team looked like they were going to score when they went forward. And I think mm -hmm. it was a refreshing thing to see because it was generally two teams trying to do whatever it took. And there were so many, it was actually funny for me as a neutral. I'm not sure, I'm sure Vibes and Salu will say the same, but it was like, it was just an epic game because so many things were happening. Most of the, First team players played, and I really, really enjoyed that as a neutral as well. Completely. I mean, that's the thing. I was watching that, and I was thinking to myself, "How the fuck is this happening?" Because I don't think, I didn't think like a Jose Mourinho team that is pretty like structurally sound defensively would just be going balls to the wall. And on one hand, I was like, "This is kind of exciting." On the other, I was kind of like, um, <laughs> "I can't. I don't know how you get." on a 5-4 result and we're not the ones who are yeah, yeah. winning end of that. And also with that as well, it's like, I think you made a good point. It was the fact that it was so anti-Mourinho football as well. And that's what I really like to see because if you're going to lose, if you're going to lose 5-4, it's like, yeah, I mean, fair enough. If you lose 1-0 and you haven't even tried to go for it, then it's a different story. As we've all been victims of the Mourinho 1-0 attempts. So, oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So um, did you mean like overall game of the season or like United game of the season? No, it's it's up to you to answer how you want. It doesn't have to be United. It doesn't. It could yeah, be yeah. Game. yeah. Do you have another yeah. one in mind? Yeah, I think um, the honestly, and this is going to sound a little bit weird, but it was the Fulham two 0 against Leicester away as well, because 
like I mean, we all we all kind of have a soft spot for Fulham mm-hmm. one way or another. The fact that they started off the season so badly and everyone is writing them off as like I mean, I think Carragher said it right. He was like, "This team is just a hundred percent going down." They made all those signings. It's a bit too late, unfortunately, for them to stay up. But then when they went away to Leicester and just put in that complete performance, it was the fact that you know what these guys can play. It's not like we have 19 teams in the Premier League and one who's just there. Yeah, uh, and I think it was a really, it was a really good result to see. And also, you know, at the end of the day, you look back on it, it was like those are the results that kind of didn't let Leicester go into the top four, losing at home to Fulham, losing at home to Newcastle, yeah. those kind of things. There were conversations that were being asked why Brendan Rodgers' teams kind of tail off in the Premier League towards the end of the season. He, they were obviously able to get the result against Chelsea in the cup final. But it was still interesting to see how that manifested in the Premiership as well. We were talking a little bit about the Everton 5-4 game. Vicky, I wanted to ask you, match that was the biggest what if. Like, what if this game was different? And I was wondering if that would be one that you were thinking of as a Spurs fan, or were you thinking of a different one? Um, not that one, to be honest. I, I, I don't, I, as, I think, as a seasoned Spurs fan, I don't look that far ahead. That was like the fourth round or something. Yeah, yeah. quite early. So I would not have expected us if we'd won that to go go on and win the win the competition. So my if you ask me what my what if was, would probably be what if uh, Mourinho had stayed for the Carabao Cup final. Mm-hmm. Because it's it was a strange time for me. The timing of the appointment was strange for me. I thought he should have been sacked like a month ago. Mm-hmm. When I finally agreed with you on the group chat, as you remember, I started thinking that maybe I'm wrong because I couldn't believe it. Yeah, but yeah, as in when 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 the sacking did happen and we we ended up getting Ryan Mason in, I was mm-hmm. a bit su- surprised, I guess, by the timing of it, given that there was like four days before it was four, three, four, five days or something before yeah. a, a final, which is what Mourinho was basically being brought in to do. So I I, I saw an interview of it with him recently where he was basically complaining about how. He didn't get the chance to win a final that he took the team to basically which okay he won three games but he still won those three games and he beat chelsea in a penalty shootout and he got us to a final and you know that's what he's known to be an expert in or at least was so i i I, given that we stuck it out with him up until then i felt like we should have just stuck it out with him for another week and then sacked him after even if we won it sacked him after yeah no, I, I thought that that would be the answer that you had gone with. And to be honest, I, I do think about that as well. Because on, on one hand, I was like, finally, freedom. But then on the other, I was thinking, well, you know, freedom can wait a week. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, like, call them Hotspur. It doesn't, they have me, they have me by the hook, you know, like, I'm not, there doesn't a day go by that I don't think about that fucking football club. I just don't want to hear about it on social media, but like, I just, you know, I'm always there, literally all around my room right now. You, you uh, said, I'm going to ask you a question if you don't mind. Sure. Um, you said a couple of days ago that you're not going to renew your um, membership. Is that, if that's true, why, why, what has driven you to this point? This that's a great question. All right. So part of it was that one money is a little bit tight right now. The other one was, I, I haven't felt, this disconnected from my football club in a while part of it is probably because i haven't been able to do the usual routine of coming over to london and watching a match and getting to spend time and just like being around 
not only that, I've also not been able to go to the Tottenham bar that's here in New York. I was able to for a bit, and that game, that 2-0 game against Arsenal was the one that I went to before they shut down for winter. They opened up in spring again. I was able to go to some, including the cup final. But even then being there, it's like because we're all being socially distant, the tables are not jam-packed together. There are less people in general because people were still nervous as vaccines were coming out. Here in the state, it kind of felt like I, I felt a little bit less connected. And part of that was also I felt less connected while Jose Mourinho was there. But then obviously there are other problems at the football club, the ball fraud, ETC, ETC. <laughs> I don't have to get into it too much. I think we all know. Um, yeah. So, but I don't know. The ESL thing also kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. That yeah. was kind of the point where I started thinking, you know, and that's that's the thing. I I might renew. Uh, like, I can always get a new membership, to be honest, but I just didn't have the – there's, like, a deadline, and the deadlines can always change. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it'll always be there. It'll, it'll always be some – bottom will always be something that I'm thinking about. I just – I kind of wanted a break from them this summer, and it's kind of tough because they're – everyone's talking about them like even like you said Vicky I, I had heard that Mourinho um when he called it half a trophy and I just yeah. want to not hear about Tottenham for like a day maybe a week and then I think I'll have detoxed out of my system and be right because like I want to look forward to August and right now I'm just yeah. like not looking forward to it yeah, you don't even enough. have a fucking manager Vicky. like I don't, I don't understand <laughs> That's anyway. true. How many more days, though? It looks like uh, Fonseca is going to happen. Yeah, it looks like Fonseca is going to happen. And once it does, the, again, a lot of people like look and see, oh, what does this manager do? Or they look at like player uh, compilations. I wait until like the player has, there's like actual photos of him at the training ground, holding up the shirt, whatever, like that. Because I try not to get too much into it. That being said, the only manager that I knew something about before he signed on the dot was Jose Mourinho. And I felt like I knew where how that train was going to play out. A little <laughs> bit different than, you know, what I expected, but we are here. Yeah. I, I was promising Nick that I would try not to go on an anti-Mourinho run. This podcast, <laughs> I did during the Italian football one, and I had to, like, kind of edit it out <laughs> as much as I could. What was what was your favorite match of the season? My favorite match of the season. My favorite of the season was the two 0 against Arsenal because that was the last time I was able to be at the Spurs pub before they shut down for the rest of the winter, and I was selling the Chapati Man stuff there during that game as well. So that sun goal, I remember just like some guy ran out of the bathroom on the top floor. There's a bathroom on the top floor for like handicap, and then there's more bathrooms downstairs. Uh, this guy was like running out with his like clock still out as he was like trying to zip up his jeans. Played <laughs> <laughs> on the floor, and then he was just like going around like in a half circle almost as he came to a stop as like beer was flying and everything. I thought to myself then, like, yeah, this this is they're probably gonna shut it down next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was I really liked I really liked that game. That was a. That was a fun. It also felt nice to be around people because I was trying to be. I was a little bit nervous about COVID and everything. Going to a sports bar, there's not really many outside. It's cold during the winter and all of that. Vish, what was the match that was your biggest what if? I think it's the PSG match at home, where we played really, really well in the first half, and we went two to two with PSG. 
Mm-hmm. Fred gets a yellow card. I think it was pretty obvious to everybody watching that Fred was probably going to make one, if not two, orange card tackles in that match on the counter attack. Uh-huh. I think we could. I think we could all see it coming. I can see why Ole didn't bring on Matic because you put Matic against Mbappe, Neymar, Icardi, Di Maria. It's not going to go well. But I feel like if we had just seen that, if we had just seen that five ten minutes out, then I think we could have qualified for the next round. We we wouldn't have been in the Europa League, even though that run was good. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that's definitely a sliding doors moment of the season. Martial's chance in the in the forty sixth minute, open goal. I mean, this is Cavani hits the woodwork. Yeah. Ten minutes later, PSG change shape and score off a corner. Yeah. And change uh, actually brings up another point. And I think you and I have this conversation every year about a manager being so bad that they make a change and that change ends up being so good. If Chelsea weren't that bad under Frank Lampard, I don't think they would have sacked him at the time they did. Tuchel wouldn't have come in, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And Chelsea do tend, Chelsea do tend to pull that trigger very... Sorry, did you, if, I, if I can interrupt, so I think it's also because I think Salu, me, Vibes, Viggy, and Jun had a debate on the group chat over the summer. Uh-huh. Where we were all saying that, like, in our personal opinions, Ole and Lampard are literally the same manager. One just got backed, one didn't get back. And so I think all of us were pretty, like, I think it was all of us against June. And we were like, look, this guy is not a good manager. He's got good players and he just gets lucky. And I, I think for me, that was a, well, it's not nice to see Lampard getting sacked, but it was a vindication that, look, he is not a Chelsea manager, regardless of what he's done for the club. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think just to uh, interject as well on that, I think wish that that's spot on. I I I'd go a step further and say actually, Ole's at least done it for longer, so so he's at least got some experience under his belt. But if, even though the premise of what you're saying is is completely right, but yeah, I mean that was uh, finally going to be on on the lighter side. That was also going to be one of my what if moments, and I'm I'm jumping the gun a little bit. But the bright side to that whole thing was that. Fraudiola would have probably won the Champions League if uh, <laughs> Lampard had, had not been sacked. So uh, at least there's a bright side uh, to that whole thing. Oh, fuck. That's good. That was good. Pa. I like that. Vibes, what was your biggest what if? Yeah, so I think on the same note as Champions League, Istanbul, Basak uh, here away, where I don't, know, I don't even know what defending we did. Uh, but if we'd won that, we'd have made it through. But I also think perhaps the Sheffield United result at home. Mm, and you alluded to I earlier, think, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The one we lost 2-1 in about late January. Mm-hmm. Because I think we were, in a re- we were on a really good run at the time. We'd won our game in hand against Burnley and drew at Anfield. Mm-hmm. And I think had we won that game and defended properly and played properly and whatnot, we'd have put some pressure on City. Because I think, and I, I forgot to mention this in the most enjoyable uh, game, but we beat Southampton 9-0, like the yes. next game up. And one of my most enjoyable moments again was when Martial got fouled to win a penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benrek got sent off after scoring an own goal or two. <laughs> and, then, and then on the way off, as, as he's sort of walking off, Marcel tells Benrick, yeah, it wasn't a penalty. So sorry, mate, you got a red card, gave away a penalty. 
but <laughs> it wasn't wrong in the first place. <laughs> but yeah, I think just sort of going back to that what if moment, you know, like we, we were playing really good football. If we won that game, we would have continued to put pressure on City. And yeah. I'm not saying it would have changed the result of the, of, of the league or anything. But if you remember, KDB then got injured like a couple of weeks after that. That's right. But City were already in a really good lead at the top of the table for it not to matter as much. But I feel like if, you, if we put some pressure on them, beat Sheffield United, we'd have beat Southampton and sort of got back some of that goal difference. And, and then obviously, if we'd held on to our leads at Everton, didn't draw it at West Brom, a lot of what ifs. But yeah. if you put some pressure on City, as I guess has been shown in the Champions League and stuff, they do have the uh, tendency to overthink. And perhaps, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been as strong and they wouldn't have uh, won every game as they did. So, yeah, what if moment, sort of that kind of like uh, end Jan, beginning Feb moment of the, of the league, uh, just purely because, you know, I thought we had a chance to win the league, but we sort of let it slip very early um, and that cost us. No, that's completely fair. And I know what you mean, because like, again, the what if is more of like a, a mental thing as well. Like if this result had changed, obviously it has a knock on effect because, um, for myself, I, you could pick either the West Ham Spurs 3-3 or the 2-1 loss to Liverpool. If, because not to say that if Bergwijn had scored, but at the very least, even if we had kept that draw or something like that in January, that really changes the impact of the team mentality. And then you right. kind of see like the dips in form that kind of come after that. So I, I know what you mean. Again, this what if yeah. leads to like a hundred other what ifs. I completely yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Bish, what surprised you during the season? In a good way or a bad way? Just surprised. Uh, you know, either. I mean, it's up to you to how you want to answer it. I will say for the Italian podcast, most people went with like a good thing, like something that surprised them in a positive way in terms of over-expectation and stuff like that. I think Nick said, I'm surprised every time Lukaku scores because when I watched him <laughs> Manchester United, I thought he was terrible. And I think I used that as the intro for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think my surprise of the season was probably how Liverpool fell off a little bit. I thought they would, I didn't think they would win the title. I did think they would finish in the top four, but I didn't think it was going to be that type of season that they had. Yeah, you lose Van Dijk, who's the rock at the back, but you still have so many other really, really good players. You have Salah, Mane, Firmino, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Robertson. That team shouldn't really be losing six games at home in January. Yeah. And like I, I say that as a as a United fan, yes, but also I'm also used like when we had when we won the league when we had Ferguson, it always like was like yeah, great. But then how do we take it to the next level? Or yeah. what do we need to do to retain the title? I felt like it was just an indication that they dropped off a little bit. Maybe that was mental. Maybe it was physical. I don't know. But yeah, I think that was my surprise in the season for sure. Yeah. I mean, Vish, if I, if I kind of... Uh, I've, I've, I've had this debate with, uh, a few times with, with uh, quite a few uh, of, 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 yeah. of the lads. But I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about, about Liverpool's season. Now, I mean, I... I, I and this is me again saying this as a United fan. I do sympathize losing losing three, well, I say first choice, but your top three center backs. It's not something you can plan for long term injuries wise. So so and and I think that was 
a fundamental part of why they didn't have the season they had because it's not just then what what you do at center back you plug in gaps the way your team plays changes with van dyke in there and what not mm. so i i have sympathies on that that being said i also think it's it's which is why which makes it a difficult one but i think klopp messed it up big style by taking fabinho out and i know he's done this a few times he played him at center back but taking fabinho from mid to center back you're kind of compromising on two positions because liverpool's midfield did not end up being liverpool's midfield because he runs the show there and fabinho is an okay center back he can plug in for the odd game but he's not going to play 30 games at center back and i know he got injured in the middle as well but yeah. fabinho at center back it killed two spots i almost think klopp would have been better off playing one of the kind of center backs lower down the pecking order deal with it and at least keep that liverpool midfield intact so it's it's a difficult one i mean but yeah you can't you can't account for your three center backs getting injured can i add another thing as well i was equally surprised at how well west ham did this season i i didn't expect that to be in european competition i thought they were struggling a lot at the end of last season they barely avoided relegation i don't know what happened there but they just went on this massive run and i think equally as surprised as i was with liverpool's underperformance i was surprised with new west ham's overperformance yeah Completely fair. I also performed because Bowers tweeted at them, so that could. Yeah, <laughs> uh, vibes. Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say. Um, Salul say he called it beforehand, but I think for how surprising it was Jesse Lingard's sort of resurrection in the second half of the season was just so good, and I don't yeah. think anyone ex- anyone other than Mohamed Salah Wakar expected it <laughs> or knew it. <laughs> Yeah, l- l- let's go for that. <laughs> let's not go for an opportunistic fantasy pick. Let's go for pure skill and foresight. Hey, to- Salu, if you went back and uh, full stop the messages, all we'd see is how you called uh, Jesse Lingard. <laughs> so I think we got to give you credit. Vicky, <laughs> uh, what what surprised you during the season? So. I'll do two. Yeah. So one, I guess, is kind of leading on from uh, your vicious point and solid point about Liverpool now having three of their top choice defenders. I think that might have done us good uh, if that happened to us. Without obviously, I don't want people to get injured, but you know, uh, I was. So I guess my surprise, one of the biggest surprises, was how. For us, we were how bad we were as a defensive unit under Jose Mourinho. I would not have expected that at the start of the season. And to be honest, I think looking back at the end of the summer transfer window, I don't think any Spurs fan would have said that was a bad window. If anything, we would have, a lot of us would have said we had the best window in the Premier League in terms of we filled left back slot. We sent a lot of our young guys like Sesenio to skip on loan. Yeah, we brought in some experienced English goalkeeper in, so that filled yeah. up our English spots. We we signed Hoybier, who was great this season. Mm-hmm. Um, some good, really good signings and additions, and obviously we brought back Bale, which was very very good for shirt sales and fans. Yeah. Um, but but also like vibes and emotions, right? Like it was there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, of- exactly. exactly. I mean, he was one of the main reasons why yeah. I love so much. But um, yeah, so at the start of the season, I was like, you know what, we could be doing well, and then we started so well that 
a lot of people were like, we could win the league. And I, I even then I felt it was not going to be sustainable, but I did not expect us to finish as low as we did, especially given the start we had. I think we just faded out too much. So that was definitely a surprise, especially considering Mourinho was meant to be a master of defence. And I guess another surprise, I was surprised at how Wolves fell so much. Obviously, they lost their main man in Imminent quite early in the season, but from last year where they were fighting for Europe and so on, they lost their main man and then they had a few other injuries uh, along the way, yeah. but I did not expect that team to finish 12th, I think they did. Or somewhere in the lower half, I, I was definitely not expecting that, so I'd probably go with those two as a surprise. And I guess that kind of makes sense why uh, Nuno's moved on. But yeah, that's probably my two. What about you? I'm surprised that I picked Aguero and he didn't do anything for me in France. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really surprised he didn't do much. Please, I've got to thank you for that because I was picking next right after yeah. you and I look forward as well. And if you hadn't picked Aguero, I was going to pick Aguero. So yeah. uh, I, I know <laughs> you, you had mentioned it on the group chat as well. And to be honest, like, I, couldn't, I couldn't go back. Like even if I were to go back in time, if I had known what I know now, but at the time I was like, yeah, Kane and Aguero up top, I'm going to run this. Yeah, And it was just that one injury, like you wouldn't, ex you wouldn't have called or expected the string of injuries and COVID, COVID that he had, yeah, yeah. but it was just the one injury where you're like, oh, it's an injury, he'll be fine, he'll recover and he'll go back to being who he is. Yeah. So yeah. I, but, I'd like, I don't doubt, like, I can't blame you and I can't doubt your thinking. It just, oh, yeah. I, look, look, I, I'm not gonna, look, you can, you can't win a league from the draft, but you can certainly lose one. Yeah. That, was, that was neither of those, though. That was just purely like, <laughs> oh, okay, go with vibes and, and let's see. Um, and to be honest, I also liked, I really liked my striking line, because even Bamford and all jokes aside, yeah. I, was, I was surprised that like Leeds just like went for it every fucking time. Like, that's how they played in the championship for the last few years. Yeah, that's why. And so, like, I knew that because that's how they played in the championship. Like, get their get their striker because he'll probably bang like ten goals. I Bamford. Yeah. I didn't expect that they would do that every single game, no matter who their opponent was. You have to respect it. It doesn't always pan out, yeah. for them. but you have to respect the fact that they're like, we don't give a shit. We're fucking leads. And to be honest, I know that kind of speaks a lot to like you know their culture. We don't give a shit. We're fucking leads United. I mean, it was it was exciting and it was nice to see. You know what's you know what's surprising that none of us have mentioned is ourselves <laughs> because uh, like they were just there they weren't really a team I was looking out for every weekend they were just yeah I don't know what for you guys as first fans but do you think that was a surprise or not really Vicky I was not surprised I think they unearthed some good young players this year so I think they'll improve in the years to come. As long as they keep them, I'm talking about Saka and Smith Rowe and so on. But to be honest, the, the league is very competitive now, and with Leicester and Everton and all of those teams also improving, and Villa actually. I'm not surprised that Arsenal finished eight, I think it was. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't see, I, didn't, I don't think that was an unfair position in the table, if anything, that flattered them. But yeah, I mean, we, we weren't good enough either. We finished seventh. So need to improve both teams need to improve we've fallen off um the pack and in that sense i agree with Salim that we've fallen up away from the rest of the four most of the big six but yeah i think we're i don't think we were out of we were in the wrong place and i think we surprised me. 
I um I think every year the first two dates that I circle are against Arsenal. I, I think I've said that before. And because those are the two dates where I'm like, I make sure that I'm available to sit and watch with no distractions. I'm not traveling nowhere. I'm not doing nothing. I'm sitting, whether it's at Spurs bar or somewhere, but like I'm making sure that that four hour, because I know how I'm going to be like the rest of the day. I'm going to be absolutely fried. Like there's no, like there's, it's just going to be like that. So like an all day binge affair. Not to say that's healthy, but you know, it is what it is. I was just going to say, speaking of circling dates, uh, the Premier League fixtures are going to be released on Wednesday at yep. 9 a.m. So it's 16th of June. So uh, make sure you got your pen out, bro. So yeah. I'm, I'm, this week. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully between now and Wednesday, I won't hear about Tottenham Hotspur so I can start to like <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, but, honestly, I, I, I hope we do because we need a manager. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> We really do. And that's actually the, the next question. What's the manager or player that you would want at your club? And Vicky, I'll, I'll start with you. To be honest, I'd have been happy if we signed Conte. Mm. I would have been happy if we brought back Poch. I think those are two of the managers. One, for very nostalgic reasons, he, he took us to heights that we, we hadn't previously seen and consistently the results that we hadn't previously had yes, we've been in the top uh, four before, top six uh, regularly, consistently. But you know, we weren't ever fighting for the title or getting to the Champions League final in the past. So in that sense, he took us to new heights. And obviously, Conte yeah. is a proven winner, and he's still winning things, which is slightly different to Mourinho in that sense. So yes, you know, he is in a, in a sense comparable to Mourinho, but he's also not because he still wins, and he won this year with Inter Milan. Um, yeah, which is something that's extraordinary. So, uh, yeah, I would, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I would have liked either of them. I don't mind either of them. In terms of players, I think I mentioned already. I, I love Jack Grealish. So, mm. yeah, I would love to have him at Spurs. I mean, obviously we have Son who plays off the left, but I think Grealish can play anywhere. So, yeah, those are those are my answers. I'd say. Josh Onoma still at Spurs to offer to uh, Grealish? Yes, mate. Onoma and three million. That should work now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Rich, you had mentioned about this debate with Jun, the, the resident Chelsea fan in the group chat uh, regarding, you know, Frank Lampard and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Is there a different manager that you want or would you rather have a player at your club for next season? What's your take? No, I think that. Look, I think Paige, you can only judge Ole on what he's done so far, not what he's going to do. And I yeah. think every single year he's shown improvement. If you look at his record in the transfer market, he doesn't get back, I think, the way he should be. But if you look at the signings that he has brought in, each one of them has had some sort of effect on the club, except for Van Der Beek. But you know what? That's one out of about seven signings that he's made. Yeah. And I, I trust at this stage. I think he's... At the entire post-Ferguson years, I think he's been the manager that has brought us closest to even seeing some sort of path forward in terms of we can see what he's trying to do. Yeah. It's still, I'd say two or three players away from where we should be, but you can see what he's trying to do and you can see the foundational building blocks that he's put in place. So, okay. yeah, I'm happy to keep him for now. It's also like we've had four different managers, right? And you keep... Chopping and changing. Each one has their own style. You have to bring the players in and you have to change the entire tactics. I, I want to get some continuity. And you know what? Let him get to a stage where 
he's shown that he can't do it. Um, at that stage, we haven't got there yet, so I have no reason to see why he should be sacked. Okay, got it. I thought you had brought it up because you guys were comparing and contrasting like how Frank Lampard had been sacked. So I wasn't sure if you had alluded to that in the sense that you thought that he should oh, go. No. There's a manager. No, but, yeah, but Tej, let me be let me be quite clear. Like, you look at who Chelsea signed last year. They essentially signed five first team players, right? Yeah. If you sign those, that quality of player in those positions, you should be competing for the title. There is no doubt about it. That's and true. with the squad that they have, they should be up there. If we had signed a right back, a, de- a defensive midfielder, left back, center back, right winger, and we were where we were, I'd still say, like, I don't know if you should be given another season. But mm. you can't back the manager like that. 200 million, I think, they, they spent last summer. Yeah. And that, I think, is a failure. Yeah. No, I, I mean... It's, it's a failure in a pound. They did win the Champions League, but I, I know what you mean. And like, that is the metric that is used to gauge like return on investment and also yeah. you know, making sure that these players also want to win a domestic league. Yeah, yeah. but also it was it was Tuchel who won the Champions League, right? Not not Lampard, so... Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Hey, um, apparently Lampard was doing BBC commentary today. And they were asking me about his time at Chelsea. And I didn't I didn't see it myself. I saw this on one of the WhatsApp groups. But apparently, Lampard did not make any reference to Werner or Havertz. And to me, that's a bit weird because those were two of his biggest signings from last summer. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Get him in. Honestly. Get him into Spurs. He'll have something to prove. Actually, no, I take that back because I don't want former Chelsea managers. I feel exactly. Like I've, I've done that. I've been through that. And <laughs> I'm excited. And then I, I have to like check myself now. You know, that, that's the wisdom that comes into play. Plus, uh, I think the other thing, if you get Lampard as your manager, uh-huh. that means you have two red naps who are automatically just going to say nothing negative about him. And he's the next, like, he's the next best manager in the world and all that. Which is just, you don't need to deal with it. True. Yeah, I don't need to deal with that. I don't want that kind of like, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Vibes, what's the, do you also, do you agree with Mitch regarding Ole as a player that you want at your club? <laughs> yes, I agree with Mitch with Ole. And Tej, honestly, I am tired of having to open Twitter and see it's 120 million or nothing, or it's 95 million or nothing. <laughs> and I didn't have agreed personal terms with him but haven't uh, got in touch with Dortmund yet or haven't agreed a fee, and that's Jaden Sancho. Because yeah. honestly, I am sick and I just want it to be done with. I hope it happens this year. I have done, I think, really well to kind of block out Sancho over the last year or so after the transfer failure, I guess, uh, yeah. after we didn't get it, to try and sort of keep him at the back of my mind, sure. not think about him, because it just opened up so much pain. And then now I feel like since we've been negotiating with Dortmund, all those emotions and all that pain has just kind of come back, which is why I just I really want it done. I think he's a great player in terms of the fit to our team. I don't think we have a right winger. Miss Greenwood has improved a lot this season, mm-hmm. but I'd love to see him play more up top, which is where I suppose he played in age groups and he did so well and I think with Greenwood learning from Cavani we also if we get if we also if we get Sancho it means that Rashford doesn't have to play every game we rotate and 
chop and change and stuff. Whereas I feel right now we're just so limited to the style that we play. Mm-hmm. To an extent, I also feel like if we can get Sancho, we can get the best out of our players as well. So if we get Sancho in as a, as a creative force on the right wing, perhaps Bruno doesn't need to play every game and Donny can as well. And Donny right. can start playing in the hole and um, it sort of gets the best out of the squad. So in terms of a player, I think, yeah, David Sancho, I just want that guy. And I'm sick of having to deal with the sort of dilly-dallying that United are doing at the moment because I just want the deal done. Man. Do you have the tweets saved in your drafts? Well, <laughs> Here we go. Here um, we go. Not, I, I don't have anything saved in my drafts. Salu, I hope Romano has uh, Here We Go saved <laughs> in the drafts. But I definitely know that if I, if I see the words, here we go, I'm going to have about five or six Jaden Sancho compilation videos. <laughs> Welcome to United Skills Assist Highlights uh, saved in my YouTube for watch later. So I definitely will sort of have some aspect of that. I just checked my uh, draft tweets and I have one here. I don't remember writing it. The NHS now says that Harry Kane cannot take a free kick anymore. So that's what I have written here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna delete that draft. No, I was gonna say, Dave, would you like? Would you want Kane to leave so that you can get funds to rebuild the squad? No. Yeah, I mean, right on cue. Because <laughs> what, what I was what I was going to say was, I'm surprised I'm the last one to answer this question, and not one of us has said they'd love. Well, Spurs fans, obviously, but not one of us has said they'd love Harry Kane at their club. Yeah. Because. That for me is the obvious answer. I mean, I'm I'm with vibes. We obviously need an attacking player. With Sancho, I feel I am a little bit uncertain about what we'll get. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to have him as well, and I think he's mm-hmm. a top player. But I think there is decent value, and and United could have been if we played it right, been smarter about someone like a Rafinha or Pedro Neto. There is good value in on the right wing there for smarter money spent. Harry Kane, there is no replacement for in a proven Premier League number nine. I mean, I'd say it in a heartbeat. And I know Eddie did a brilliant job for us. I, I And this was one of my other contenders for the biggest surprises of the season. I, as you guys will remember, unabashedly wrote him off and said, United are being stupid, signing a 34-year-old striker. And this is, he's just coming here for, for a payday. The man's practically retired, all of that stuff he did brilliantly for us but he's going to be 35 this season mm-hmm. and I'm going to do a rewind of my comments and I'm going to say again I don't think Eddie will do it for us this season and we probably need a number nine now more than any other position um, and and I mean Harry Kane is opportunistic obviously I I, I don't think we'll yeah. get him but how much would I love him at my club uh, I think that takes us to genuine title contenders yeah that's fair so, Vibes, you had brought up the on uh, Wednesday will be the, the date for the news. What are you looking forward to for next season? What are your expectations? Yeah, good question, Paige. I think in terms of next season, what I'm looking forward to is... And, and sorry, Paige, I've been very united first, and I think I'm going to continue oh, that. that's okay. I mean, like, that, that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think just in terms of next season, what I'm really looking forward to is seeing what Ole and what the team can do if we're back this season in the transfer window mm-hmm. and we have a good enough squad to start uh, winning trophies. And I think that's the point that I'm really looking forward to. I think if we can sign at least 
a right wing, a center back, and ideally a CDM. I don't know how much money we'll have in the bank to sort of do all of that. But I think if we can sign those positions, perhaps we won't, we won't like win the title, but I'm looking forward to seeing how close we can get to that. And I'm also really looking forward to seeing how well we do in the Champions League next season, because I think that's something that we really need to do a lot better in. Last season, obviously, we beat, uh, we had a very tough group, beat um, PSG and Leipzig, arguably the two toughest opponents in the group, and then kind of did a Sheffield United where we lost to Istanbul, right? So I think, I think yeah, just kind of looking forward to seeing how well we can do if we have a good enough squad and we make some improvements. Because I think I'd, I'd really look forward to seeing how Sancho would fit if we sign him with the rest of the team and how much of a difference all these signings can make to the side. Nice. I like that. Do you think he will be back? Um, early indications are yes. I think as much as the Glazers don't care about United, I think this European Super League thing has kind of made them think about perhaps you know, putting some investment into the club. And I, and I feel like to avoid more and more sort of you know, negative publicity about them, if they can do something in the window and they can actually, I guess, do, put some action and not just words and kind of back their, back their words up, I, I would like them. But I do think that they'd have some of, the, um, some of the attention kind of turned away from them. So I'm hoping that all of that has kind of opened their eyes and made them realize what a horrible situation they put the club in. And the least they can do is kind of, you know, back the manager and uh, make some improvements overall to the, to the club, because I think, I think we need that. Um, and I think some of the facilities in terms of like training and the stadium are things that haven't really been developed in the last 10 years. And I think that's something that really we need to really push on. Okay, nice. That's very optimistic. Um, <laughs> and I can relate to some of it. The other parts like, you know, backing a manager really can't relate, but I, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Vicky, what are you looking forward to next season? What are your expectations? Uh, I'm looking forward to falling back in love with football because I feel like I kind of lost my interest, especially towards the end of the season this year. Yeah, I can relate uh, to that. Yeah, I think it was the way that the reason I'm I'm a, I'm a Spurs fan is because of the attacking style of football that we've always played and. Obviously, that hasn't happened this year, and it didn't happen towards the end of last year either. So it was a bit disappointing just watching us play. And then, you know, we knew that Kane and Son weren't going to be able to keep up what they were doing at the start of the season. So, you know, mm-hmm. kind of fell, fell apart quite quickly after that. So in that sense, I'm looking forward to whoever the new manager is, to seeing what he can bring to us as a team. And in general, I'm looking forward... To Brentford in the Premier League, actually, they've been trying yeah. to come up a lot, so um, that should be that should be entertaining. They, I think, they they're a good side and good manager as well. So, um, yeah, I guess that's that's something exciting to to look forward to. I'm looking forward to Brentford as well. I I will say I was with Vish when we saw Sherwood's second to last game, and around then was kind of how I'm feeling now, except like a little bit more deflated because of ESL and all of that, and finally like you know thinking this owner doesn't really have the best interest of the club at heart but you know look at what's happened in the last five six years i had a lot of love i had less love so there's it comes in waves 
But I, I'm with yeah. you on that. I can relate a lot. Fish. Honestly, Tej, I'm looking forward to having fans back in the stadium. Because yeah. I don't know if you watch a lot of the United top six, like the big six games that we played against the others. But a lot uh -huh. of it was basically like safety first. We're going to try to go in not to lose. Uh, a lot of those games ended up 0-0. And I just felt uh -huh. like if you had fans in the stadium, things would be different. I mean, also, there are certain grounds that you go to in the Premier League where you know the away fans are going to be tough, right? Yeah. And part of the... I'd say part of the experience of watching the ground is like you swearing at something the fans have done. Or the away, yeah. like for example, whenever we go away to Burnley, the Burnley fans, they are very partisan. They like they cannot accept that a decision goes against Burnley. But when you're watching it on TV, you're like, well, yeah, that's obviously a foul to us. How can right, you right, think right. something otherwise? So your like your level of engagement with the game goes up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that'll be a big thing, especially with a lot of these fans not having been in the stadiums for over a year. I hope it does make a difference. And I hope that like our just our general love for football will increase as well. Because in a game like Burnley versus Crystal Palace, if it's on TV, without fans, I don't really want to watch it. With fans, I'm like, oh, maybe something could happen. Yeah. Um, it might be a contentious moment. And it just like you get a little bit on edge as well when you see fans making that kind of noise and that kind of atmosphere in stadiums as well. I completely feel that, especially watching the limbs, which you guys all know I live for, uh, seeing shots of fans doing the yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I feel that. I feel that. I do think it could be good. It could be bad. And, you know, we can get into that a little bit when we talk about the Euros. But, yes, I, I do feel I am also looking forward to that. Sal? Yeah, I mean, mine is mine is quite similar to Wishes in the sense that I'm just looking forward to going back into the rhythm of a normal season. In in from from even from like a fixtures perspective, I think last season was just chaotic in so many ways. And uh, you know, if you if you put the fantasy hat on it, so many double game weeks, so many blank game weeks, so many COVID postponements and injuries. And I just yeah. I just want a season where. I know I'm getting my Premier League football on a Saturday, Sunday. I'm getting my European football on a Tuesday, Wednesday. Home, away, fans. Just, just a good old normal season. We've had two two years of chaos, actually. I think the season before last was also semi-interrupted. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to most. It's just going back to normal, really. I think United-wise, there's less to look forward to in the sense... I don't see us winning the title next season, barring a miraculous transfer window. I think there's too many... We, we get too much uh, competition from City, Liverpool and Chelsea. But it would be nice to do a nice Champions League run. I think the times we have managed to make it, we've, we've had a disappointing Champions League run and I'd love to see us go deep because, yeah, the European nights are magical. No, I completely agree. I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to. Champions of Europe have signed Halan. That's what I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> you know, or like, I remember 20... I don't know if you guys know this because Mish is the only one that I really spoke a lot to about football, but the 2012 Champions League final, I thought, oh, it's in Munich, Bayern are winning, and then Drogba. And then I genuinely, stupidly at the time, and again, I was like a little bit younger and naive, all that stuff. I thought that Hazard would have gone to Spurs. Like, I really thought. And then the following year, I really thought Shinji Kagawa was going to go to Spurs. It, it never happened. That's when I stopped believing transfer bullshit. That's why I get a little bit, I get a little bit like, you know, antagonistic when you guys are posting like rumors and stuff. 
obviously Fabrizio goat. You know, he he knows his shit. Some others, Ornstein, like okay, take it or leave it. But yeah, actually, yeah, actually. Tage and and the rest of the guys. I guess one one thing I generally really look forward to is you know new signings, foreign signings particularly. Mm-hmm. Are you guys excited for any potential players coming in from abroad? There's this guy uh, Evan Indica who plays for Frankfurt. If he comes to Spurs, he could be a young good defender. Like when we got Vertonghen seven years ago, right? And all the stuff that he's done, like Evan Indica could be the next. I mean, like he's he's really good. He's really he's a little bit younger than Bertongan was when when Bertongan came, but I really think he has that potential. That would be great, just like set up the defenders for the next seven years, and then you can start to like build off of that platform. Mm. You know who I also like the Frankfurt striker, Rebic. Yeah, you've been following Frankfurt hard. I, I watch a little bit. I mean, I also watch Italian, like the Serie A. I don't, there's not really a team that I follow, but Frankfurt is the one that I paid most attention to. What about you guys? Any international players that you guys want? I'm honestly looking forward to seeing who Leicester signed from abroad because that player normally goes to a top four side in two years. So, yeah. Bukari Samore. Nice. You were talking about international players, and we had spoken about Lukaku. We talked about Kane. Vish, you had posted that Lukaku has the highest odds. Kane has the second highest odds to win Golden Boot, and so that kind kind of got me thinking more about Euros. Whether you know Edward will, will go for whoever wins the Golden Boot at the Euros this year or something like that. That might be because I've heard Lukaku to Manchester United, probably. But this is just what I've heard. Have you guys heard the same? But again, no, I don't think it'll be United. I don't think it'll be United. Chelsea. We're talking to Chelsea again. <laughs> Though um, Rom did come out and say that he was going to stay after talking to uh, Inzaghi, the new oh, okay. international. So um, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like if he, and this is Rom, right? He can be as vague as he wants in interviews and um, get away with it. And this is him coming out and saying, "I love Inter." I've spoken to the new manager and also kind of spoiled it because I don't think they'd announced it, but he said, yeah, I've spoken to Inzaghi. Um, and then <laughs> said, um, I-, I want to stay and I like the way that he wants to use me. So um, perhaps yeah. even if he has a great Euros, um, he, w- he won't necessarily make a move. Mm, that's fair. Okay, that makes sense. I'm uh, going to shift the conversation a little bit to England. What do you guys feel about England's chances at the Euros. Vicky, how do you feel about England's chances at the Euros? Uh, no, look, I mean, I, to be honest, I only recently figured out that the route for England is, is a tricky one as they'd end up playing one of France, Germany or Portugal. So, yeah. um, if they go through, obviously. So, uh, whatever happens is going to be a tricky road, but I think England has players good enough, obviously. I, as a Spurs fan, I love Harry Kane and yep. I've already mentioned my love for Jack Grealish. So mm-hmm. England has a lot of players who I like and therefore, yeah, it's, it's and also I live here. So <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> easy pick to support. But also, I, my dark horses are, are Italy. I think they are also helped by the fact that it's my um, team in one of the sweepstakes I'm doing. But oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I just think they. they I think they've won 24 games on the bounce or something like that. Unbeaten 24. 
Yeah, they're all unbeaten 24 games in a row. So that's that's mad. And I think they have a relatively okay group. And their road isn't too bad to the to the semis at least. And mm-hmm. yeah, the way they play against Turkey, I know it's Turkey, but Turkey are a good side. They have some good players. Yeah. But the way they played on Friday was was exciting. It was really nice to watch as well. So Chile's doing a good job there. Their movement into the wings and how they come back in. I think for that second goal, was it Inzaghi who had scored and just take his on his chest, cut, turn, and very fucking fresh. Yeah, I think, look, I don't really like the England team. I think, sorry, I don't like the England fans. I like the England team. That's cool for you, Biggie. I think they've got such a good, like, they've got incredible young talent. I think some of those players are going to be world beaters for years to come. I just don't like some of the the storylines and the narratives around the Indian team. I just I think you could deal do without it. And it's not fair to the players either. In terms of this Euros, I think they'll do pretty well. I think they'll get out of the group. I think they'll they have a chance of beating whoever it is in that next round. I just don't see them winning the entire thing because I think there's you need that tournament know-how, which I think a lot of these guys need. To develop in the next couple of tournaments and then go for a big one. But you know, the other thing, Tate, as well, I want to see Southgate play good football. I don't want to watch a Euros and I'm like, oh, watching one nil boring. I want to see two teams going for it. That's why I love that Netherlands Ukraine game because it yeah. was just like handbrake off, go for it. That's what I want to see from international football. Yeah. No, I can be, I, you know, my own reservations about Spain. Admittedly, when you win a Euros, you can do yeah. whatever you want. I would have however you get there, but like I, I felt, I felt very. I didn't really like watching it. Again, who, who cares? They fucking won the Euro, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, from from the England lens. I'm I'm with uh, I'm I'm with Vish here in in the sense that it's a very exciting young team on paper, but I just it just is and and putting aside the journalism and the and the publicity which which I which I agree with Vish on as well, but. It just doesn't excite me watching them play as a collective. I just don't know for for whatever reason. And you watch them in the Premier League, and you know those players are all fantastic. It's the golden generation individually, but in an England shirt, they churn out the results, but they're a nil nil, an extra time, a one nil, and it's just not good football to watch. I don't know why. I don't know if it's Southgate, if it's just international football in general, but. I just rather watch someone as wipes said do bits uh, yeah. and 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 enjoy a team you know having a successful run uh, playing football that way uh, just because it's a nice story as well. So I'd 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 love to see you know someone like and and you know France and Portugal are the obvious uh, you know names being spoken about. Mm-hmm. Belgium you could argue are 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 now kind of past it, but they play some really gung ho attacking football. So. For yeah. me, I I guess if 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 I would like uh, Portugal, I know have the reputation of playing really defensively, but if if one of those three get on a run and just play absolute free flowing mad football, I just I just want to see you know proper attacking teams go deep. So so which is why I just rather one of them one of them go all the way, just because it'll make for entertaining viewing. Yeah, no, I agree, and I also like watching that. It- Balls to the wall, handbrake off yeah. kind of football. High octane, Red Bull, Carabao cup drinking. Vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good that you started with Biggie because I think I'm on the complete 
opposite side of the spectrum. <laughs> it's been <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate England. I love when they fail. Having said that, I do kind of feel that it's a lot more likable of a team than it was in previous tournaments. Sure. And I think it's also kind of reinforced by a stat today where there was no Liverpool or United player in the starting 11 of the England side. Okay. And I think when you look back at previous years or previous tournaments, you had Gerard, you had Lampard, you had cool. yeah, Terry Cole, all mm. players from teams I hated. So I'd love for them to fail. And I think, to be fair, if you went to a Chelsea fan or went to a Liverpool fan, they'd also kind of say the same thing. Yeah. But I think if you look at this team, like with United's biggest rivals in City, even the players that do play in Foden and Sterling and whatnot, I respect them. I think they're, I, like, I really respect those two players, and I think they're really good players as well. Sterling wasn't as good this season as he was last season, but Foden is a real gem. Um, and I think, and with Grealish as well, I think uh, this entire group just loves him. So I love watching him play, and uh, DCL on the bench as well. You know, like all players that I really like watching. So yeah. um, as much as I sort of hate England, you know, I, I do have to put my hands up and admit that it's a good side and they did play really well today. Having said that, I do still want them to get uh, knocked out. And I think <laughs> I, I really want England to do well in the group stages because it means that they face the, the runner-up of the group of death, mm -hmm. most likely either Portugal or France. And I think either one of those sides would annihilate this England side. So I'm happy to sort of see that. So I'm happy to see England do really well in the group stages. But then after that, if they beat France and Portugal, then I think I have to just um, yeah prepare for the inevitable for a while. But but also <laughs> thinking, like, I think Valve makes a really good point. Like you look at some of these players, right? Jude Bellingham. Like I think he's going to be a superstar for years to come, and I think he's a great player. I don't want to see him fail. Mason Mount, even though he plays for Chelsea, he is a good player. Yeah. Foden, just baller. Sterling, what he's had to go through and where yeah. he's come from. What a story. Rashford, like, how can I want those guys to fail? But then you have With people... Your prime Minister, the... Marcus Rashford, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> and then, like, people are booing the knee. People are saying BLM is Marxism. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. And that's yeah. why I think there's a negative connotation around that England thing. No, that, that's fair. I, I do know what Vibov is referring to because I... Because England fans would be like, well, no, I want my, you know my club player on and now i'm thinking that's why video is a little bit surprised because like if you look at it realistically kane is like half spurs at this point because it says he's on his <laughs> like, no other players. at least like back in the at the world cup there's so many of them i was like okay i feel like some kind of affinity again i have my own team and i and they had been bounced out so i didn't really have any other team to support so um, so i felt a little bit but now it's like it feels like that affinity has gone a little bit but I guess you guys are right. That does make sense. Because they're all like kind of good lads, you know, and even Garrett Southgate's piece in The Athletic wasn't yeah. what he was That was really nice. A lot of respect towards them, yeah. 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 That's fair. Great. Well, thank you guys for joining the podcast. Thank you for being a part of it. Do you guys, like, want to chat about anything else? I, I Deja, I've, got, I've, I've got one more. It's not something to talk about, but I, I'm going to give a shout out to Ericsson. Mm. Hope hope there's a speedy recovery there. I've heard he's he's doing well now, but that was pretty heartbreaking to hear about yesterday. Yeah. So only right to give him a shout out. 
And I think shout out also to the rest of the Denmark team, especially Kasper Schmeichel, who was consoling Ericsson's uh, partner, uh, Simon Kerr, who made sure that Ericsson wasn't uh, choking on his own tongue and was just in the right positions and stuff. And shout out to all the medical staff who saved his life. Yeah. I think it was confirmed today that he had a cardiac arrest and, you know, was dead for a few minutes until the, um, until he got defibbed and uh, he came back to life. So shout out to them as well, because in the most extreme of emergencies, they managed to get a guy back to life. So fair play and shout out to all of them and to everyone involved, really, because it's good to sort of see Ericsson being stable after something as serious as that. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to add one thing as well. I think while it is a horrific thing to see, while I'm so glad that they managed to save his life, I think there are questions to be asked about football facilities around the world. Like imagine there wasn't a defibrillator on site. Imagine they didn't have access to the medical profession. That, that can happen. So mm-hmm. there were a few things that were going around on social media. I think each football ground needs to have those kind of, have a defibrillator, have the, the right medical facilities required at every single level of football. And I think it's, it's crazy that we don't have that in 2021 yet. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm also thinking about like the grounds that I've refereed at and like, yeah, yeah. Like the, I say grounds, parks, and like where, you know, they don't really tell us where the medical staff is or who to call and stuff like that. We just call the coach, the coach supposedly knows what to do. But even at that level, and like, to be honest, not just football grounds, schools and playgrounds and stuff where like everyone's playing football because that could happen to anyone. Also, uh, shout out to the fans as well, because that was one of the moments where I was like, I remember why I love this sport, because like you could bond mm. together or something. Yeah. That was really good by all of you guys. That was a really good point that you all made. And yeah, thanks, Dave, for having us on and for hosting because this um, has been really incredible from all of our perspectives. So thanks for this. Hopefully we can do it in person soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>